Welcome to BC Interruption Radio. Uh, pardon the BC Interruption. Uh, we have a very special guest, uh, former Boston College head football coach Jeff Jagosinski. Um, so Grant Salzano is also with me today. This is Joe Gravelisi, editor-in-chief of bcinterruption.com. And uh, on behalf of the readership and pretty much everyone who watched BC football in 2007-2008, let me just say it's so exciting to have you. We really appreciate you taking the time, and we miss those days. Those were some good times. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Wasn't that, a, wasn't that a blast? That was so much fun. I mean, the, the campus and the town and the whole nation was watching BC football. Man, it was it was great. I loved it. Thanks for having yeah. me on. Yeah, it was, and I think, you know, those years definitely hold a, hold a special place. Uh, so I'm going to turn it over to Grant, ask a few uh, two questions to start us off, and then we'll get into some we'll get into some of uh, things people are looking forward to hearing about. Great. Yeah, Coach, it's it's really great to talk to you. I mean, we Joe and I both graduated in 2010, so we were there for really BC's prime years of you know being at the forefront of the national conversation, which sounds crazy to say now, but you know, we've got we've got people telling us, oh, BC's BC's got no got no future, and we're like, well, we were number two in the country when we were students, and we ended up number ten in the country, so it can be done. But uh, so we we as Joe said, you know, we we have a lot of pretty fond memories of uh, of BC football from back in those days. But uh, so yeah, well, first and foremost, um, how are you and your family? Uh, we uh, we understand you had to take some time off this fall from coaching at Georgia State. I did. You know, it's been, I've been coaching uh, ball now for about 31 or so years. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, priorities take uh, place. And I've got a, a daughter, uh, I don't know if, uh, if you all are aware, but uh, she's uh, an epileptic and um, she's severely autistic. And um, she was not doing well. And we had some process uh, done, a surgery done for, to try to stop the seizures and, and I just thought that, you know, trying to get a first down this fall probably wasn't as important as, you know, trying to take care of your family. So um, I took off this took off this fall, and, um, you know, things are going a lot better with Jackie. And, you know, she was at the, <clears throat> she was at the campus school when we were there. And it was, we thought, as a family, my wife and I, Lisa, we thought that that was probably the best thing that uh, we had going for our family was having a, a place for Jackie to go to go to school and the and they, the way it was set up is the kids you know that were interested in special needs and they went to that school so they really had a vested interest in in really getting good at that and getting close with the kids and the teachers were phenomenal and at lunchtime I could just go right across the field and go up to the campus school and go see her and so I mean there was a lot of great things for Jackie uh, at that school, especially the campus school. They, they really do a, a great service there. And I think we could have taken that to even a higher level, but it just didn't work out that way. Yeah, I remember, you know, back when you were here, I remember, you know, you spoke a lot of the campus school, and I know it was it, – and that in particular seemed to be a good fit for, for you and your, your family in particular. So, um, yeah, it's it's, it's – you know, I'm sorry to hear about, you know, your family, but hopefully hopefully things, you know, go better, and it's nice to hear you taking some time off to take care of business. Right, right. And, you know, the thing is, it's, um, again, you know, it's just priorities. 
that uh, you know that had to had to be done, and um, and I was glad I had the opportunity to do it. So, but you know, things are going better, and you know, we're just moving in the right direction now. Cool. Glad to hear it. We're glad to hear it. Um, you know, you're you're an assistant coach now. You know, you're taking time off, but assistant coach now at Georgia State. Do you plan to become a head coach again? I do. I do, and um, I'm really looking forward to that next chapter uh, in my coaching profession. And uh, yeah, I really do. I'd like to run my own team again. Uh, we were doing, you know, they're not doing real good this year. You know, I'm, I'm not with them. Uh, but last year we took a upstart program and got them into a bowl game, which is really rare. I mean, we ended up going six and seven. But um, we ended up having the fourth or fifth ranked passing game in the country, and we had 2,000-yard rushers or 2,000-yard receivers that were coming back. And um, but they're really struggling this year. But uh, that was fun. I mean, we had a, a kid named Nick Arbuckle we took out of um, California. He's a junior college kid, and uh, he did good his junior year. And then his senior year, he really understood what we're trying to get done, and I mean, we just lift people up in the passing game. It was, it was a blast. Yeah, in, in looking up, uh, you know, a little bit about how you how things have been going for you, I, I saw that Georgia State's offense had kind of impressed for for really the, the program that it is. I think the first couple of years you were there, I want to say they were top 25 in, in passing offense, got up to maybe top 10 or, or something like that that I was reading, so... Yeah, I think we were like fifth or sixth, something like that. I don't, I don't know. But well, it's um, impressive, like, regardless. We were, we, were the, <laughs> we were throwing the ball all over the park, and and um, you know we had a kid. I mean, he, he I think he's mixed up in uh, Canada now, uh, playing. He got um, a tryout with Steelers, and um, I mean, if we had more time with him, we would have, we would have won. You know, this year again, but you know they're not they're not winning now. But I mean, I really believe this. I I think if you have the right type of kids and the right type of coaching, and you can really develop kids. Like we took this kid Nick Arbuck. I mean, nobody wanted him, and he ended up being you know sixth in the country or so in passing. So, um, but you can do it. It can be done. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like you, at least following you on Twitter a little bit, it seems like you're obviously still following BC. And you know, what do you what do you think of BC's current situation? Well, you know, I'm not I'm not real familiar with the the personnel, and I just watch them. I watch them from afar. I mean, I I'm still a huge you know BC fan. I want them to do well, and um, I would like to see them you know, get back into the national scene, and there's no reason that they can't. It seems to me that the defense obviously is really, really good. They're, what, number one in the country right now, which, I mean, that's that's impressive. And Yeah, the they offense, were last year, too. Yeah, yeah, and the offense is like there's just nowhere to be found. They're like 116th or something in, in total offense. But here's the here's the thing that I have when I when I see that well they got a great defense and well their offense isn't doing so well but the type of kid that goes to Boston 16th or something in in total offense 
But here's the here's the thing that I have when I when I see that well they got a great defense and well their offense isn't doing so well. But the type of kid that goes to Boston College, it's a consistent of kid that they've got, and then the offensive kids that they got now. I mean, there's, there's a disconnect there, and I don't, you know, I don't know what that is, but um, if they could just be halfway, you know, decent offensively, they, you know, they'd be a, probably a seven-win team, eight-win team, but they're, you know, they're really struggling moving the ball. Yeah, that was that was kind of the what everyone was saying last year too. Was it, every game it was it was oh that this 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 defense it's criminal how much this defense is getting wasted with this how poor the offense is performing and it it they've both kind of regressed a little bit toward the the mean this year that the defense isn't quite what it was last year the offense isn't quite as bad as it was last year but it sort of seems like the same sort of story and you just feel like if the offense could get something going they would be halfway decent, obviously, with the, how good the defense is. And, um, yeah. I mean, you said you don't know too, well, too much about the personnel. Uh, well, you know, go ahead. Well, one of the things, you know, and we were talking about, just take an example for, um, like, Nick Arbuckle. I mean, nobody nobody even knew who that kid was. But if, we were, if, if I could go ahead and insert Nick Arbuckle up at BC, we would be a top – 25 team in passing. I'm, I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Because the players that we had here at at Georgia State, the receivers that we had that were both thousand yard receivers weren't even recruited. They weren't recruited. We took we took one kid, Penny Hart, out of a out of a summer camp we had. He was just the best kid at the camp. He's five eight. And he had like 1,100 yards last year. And we had another kid that we took that um, he was going to a Division II school. His name is Robert Davis. And um, he came to campus. He was 6'3 and 210 pounds, vertical 42 inches, and was a 4'4'5". So they weren't even recruited. And you can put those kids together. And the thing is, at Boston College, you are recruiting those guys. You can find them. And, and I never, excuse me, I never worried about about stars. In fact, I, I really hated them. There was a guy that um, was in the, um, oh, he's a, he called himself now an, an, a senior analyst or something for rivals. And, I asked him one time, he was in my office, and I, and I forget what the kid's name was. But I said, hey, I said, have you ever, like, taken a, a kid and just gave him stars because of what somebody said? He goes, oh, yeah. I go, did you never watch film or nothing on the guy? He goes, no. I go, how did you do that? He goes, well, you know, coaches just tell me, and I just give him stars. So I never had, I never had any, uh, any use for, like, the star system. You know, um, I just never did because really at BC we had like two, three star. Well, I'll just you know give an example. We were just talking about those wide receivers at Georgia State and the quarterback. They were two, maybe. I mean, they weren't even on anybody's radar. So they're out there. The thing I think you have to do is you have to evaluate 
the talent that fits what you want to do and don't care about what anybody else thinks. Great example of that is when we took, uh, we went to see Dominique Davis. It was Steve Rogan, myself, and Donnie Yanowski. Donnie was uh, recruiting down in the Florida area for East Carolina at the time. And this kid was at Kathleen High School, and we walk in, and Dominique is 6'3", about 120 pounds. We <laughs> don't remember how big he was. But, um, oh, yeah. You know, but we watched, we watched him throw, and, and I said, Logan, what do you think of this kid? And he said, I think we could work with him. And I said, all right. And this was, like, we had just got there, so we, we didn't have any time to recruit uh, a quarterback or any really any players at all. And um, so we ended up taking Dominique Davis, and the son of a gun ends up going to East Carolina and just lighting it up for, like, 9,000 yards. And, yeah, he really did. I remember uh, that. He ended, up, he ended up having a problem at at uh, BC, you know, academically. Well, I would tell you this: there would be absolutely no way that would have happened with Logan with him. It wouldn't have happened because Logan would have been on top of that kid constantly. You know, he'd be having the kid over at his house for study hall. But that's you know that's the way Logan was, and. You wouldn't let a quarterback like that go. And I really think that we would have been able to uh, keep winning with Dominique Davis. I mean, again, the guy threw for 9,000 yards. You know, he came in that, as a freshman when um, Chris Crane got hurt and uh, ended up, we, that second year, we ended up you know, winning the division championship with Dominique Davis. And uh, went down to Wake, Wake Forest, beat them down there, and then we beat Maryland at home. So, but there's players out there. You just have to be willing to not worry about what anybody thinks and take the kids that fit what you want to do. You know, another great mm-hmm. example of that was Anthony Costanzo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony was a kid that um, was in Chicago, and he was skinny. He was a six-six, uh, two hundred and twenty-nine pounds. And nobody recruited the kid. Nobody. I mean, he didn't get a Division three offer out of high school. No one wanted him. And um, I told I told uh, Mike, um, I said, hey, Mike, I said, look, this is what kind of offensive lineman I want. I said, I want a guy that's, that's athletic. I don't care how big he is right now. And a big frame that can move. That's all I'm looking for. And uh, he said, well, there's a guy down at, um, he was at Fourth Union. And Don Yanowski saw him when he was at East Carolina. And he said, Jags, he goes, this is the kid that you're looking for, is, is this Costanzo kid. I said, all right, well, let's, let's go ahead and get this guy going. And so we started recruiting him, and no one was on him. Donnie was on him at uh, East Carolina, and he fell off of him because he came up to B.C. with us. And... Uh, Temple was also a school that was starting to look at him. Well, as soon as we offered Anthony Costanzo, Alabama offered the kid. Like it was like the next week. Because what we did is we validated the kid. That, yeah, this guy's a good player. But anyway, <laughs> interesting story how we got we got Anthony in the school. I was at a uh, like a social mixer, and uh, Anthony was like really smart. He was like a thirty. 
six ACT. I mean, he maxed it out. Really, really a smart guy. He wanted to be a cancer doctor. His uh, grandfather had cancer, so he wanted to be a cancer doctor. So I hit Father Leahy up at a at a mixer. We were having drinks and everything. So, <laughs> and there was a bunch of boosters and stuff around. And I said, uh, "Hey, Father," I said, "I've got a guy that really wants to come to uh, Boston College." And see, at the time, they never had anybody come in at mid-year. They just didn't do it. And I said, well, you know, Notre Dame does it. And, I, it, was, and it hit us just perfect because all the boosters are, and he goes, he goes, well, Notre Dame, if Notre Dame's going to do it, we're going to do it too. I said, right on, Father. And he ended up coming <laughs> And, uh, you know, so, but uh, just funny stories like that. But we got kids that really nobody, nobody really wanted. They really didn't, and you know, people get all hung up in the recruiting stars and all that. I mean, I just, I just never did. Did you enjoy the recruiting aspect of your job? I did. I really did. I mean, I'm sure you know that that's one of the rumors that's put out there. You know, when people talk, and we can get into, you know, when you left, but obviously that's something that people say, and you know, maybe if you wanted a chance to respond to that. Did I like recruiting? Yeah. Mm. I like recruiting. We had just, we had a great time on the road. The one thing that the one thing that about recruiting that's really changed is there's I think there's a lot of entitlement of kids now. Now it can change even more that you're you're recruiting ninth graders now. You know that they just got the first ten speed, and you're recruiting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that it's it's been it's been different. But no, I I enjoyed recruiting. I like recruiting. There are some things that. Um, like right at the end were would be frustrating where kids would take go to a different place because they thought it had you know it was shinier newer looking you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah I knew that it wasn't the right I knew it wasn't the right fit uh, for that kid and you know he ended up going there and really didn't flourish and if he were to come to BC but that's those are the type of things that frustrated me about recruiting but I like recruiting. You know, going to the homes and everything. We had some, uh, we had some great. Keekley's visit was awesome. Uh, Costanzo's, Costanzo's visit. It was uh, snowing sideways in Chicago when we were visiting him and his mom and dad had a had an Italian restaurant. You know, and she was, by the end of the night we were all <laughs> we were all dancing at the. So no, I mean it was fun. You know, we had uh, I had a good time with with recruiting. You know, so. And so you mentioned but, the importance, you know, of. of knowing what you want and, and recruiting to what you want. I, I do feel like that's been something that BC struggled with in recent years. You know, it seems like there's not a consistent you know, methodology of, of what they're trying to do. And I, I think that kind of leads into the, my next question, which is, you know, in the, in the medium term, you know, do you think BC can get back to where they were in, in 2007, 2008? And, and what's the blueprint? How can they do it? Can BC get back? Again, I don't know really what you know what those guys what what they're after. I don't know what they're they're what 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 they want it to look like. I don't know that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard for me to say. But can you get it back to oh seven oh eight? Absolutely, absolutely. And I I'd be bold enough to say this. I'd have to think back in three years the way I wanted to what, the way I wanted it to look. I really believe I could. Let's uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's get into the BC years a little bit. You already touched on some of the recruiting. Um, something that I, I was curious about, you know, at what yeah. point 
when in 06 when the job opened up? Did it get onto your radar? What made you interested in it and, and decide to apply? Okay, here's the deal. And nobody knows, nobody knows these stories. Right, back, I was at D.C. back in, it was 97, 98, on uh, Tom O'Brien's first staff. And uh, I ended up getting a job at Green Bay and um, as a tight end coach, you know, and that's where I'm from. But I, all, I told my wife we were flying to Green Bay, and we were sitting on the uh, runway at Logan. And I looked at her and I said, I said, I want you to know that we're coming back here someday and I'm going to be the head coach. See, that's the only BC, – BC was the only uh, college job that I was ever interested in doing because I, I knew what type of kids that I was going to get at BC, and I thought I could be successful there. So I always knew I was coming back. And Gene and I, we forged a relationship the, the minute he got there. I remember he came in, I think he had just got the job, and we were playing Rutgers at, at Rutgers, and Gene introduced himself after the game. But Gene and I, we had a, a great relationship, so it wasn't like applying for a job. It wasn't like that. I was sitting at um, I was sitting at my desk in Green Bay, and Tom had left, and Gene called, and he goes, um, I'm looking for a football coach. I said, well, put the phone down because you just found one. So, but I, I always, you know, that was the one I always, always wanted to have was uh, Boston College. So, but I knew that back in, like I said, back 98, 98, and I, I told my wife, and I said, this is, I said, I'm going to be back here someday as a head coach. Wow. And, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of people great. don't, you know, people don't know that kind of stuff, but, yeah. you know, and then I got to the NFL for a while there, and, uh, and that was fun. So. But uh, there was no, there was no like applying or like on the radar, because every time I thought Tom was going to leave, I thought, all right, well here's here's my opportunity. This is what's going to happen, and you know, and then he never did. And then he went to NC State, and um, you know, and then I got a call from you know Gene, and then we just started talking. So now, but uh, how, how involved was? Um university administration in the in the interview process. I know they used the search firm the last time with the Dazio, but you know, where other than Gene, were some of like the trustees or Father Leahy, were they involved in the process or was it more devolved to an external group? Yeah, well let me here here's what happened. We were I was at Green Bay in O six, I was the coordinator there, and the job came open and Gene and um Leo Sullivan, who was the in charge of the, he was the HR guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he was pretty powerful. He had a lot of, he had a lot of stroke. Really a good guy. Really good guy. So Gene and uh, Father or um, Leo flew to Green Bay, and their luggage was left in in Chicago. So they didn't have anything. So anyway, we 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 started meeting, and we met in this suite. And the thing is. The interview process, Gene already knew me, so it wasn't like, hey, tell me about yourself. But what we talked about was we talked about the, the, the direction of the program and where I think it could go, and uh, I never said, hey, we're going to win a national championship. I never said, because that's what guys always say in an interview. I said, Gene, I said, I will promise you this. We will always compete to be ACC champions. 
And then whatever happens after that, you know, happens. But I said, I promise you we will always compete for a, a, a championship in the ACC. That's what I can tell you. I can assure you that. And, you know, and that's what we did. But um, yeah. so Gene, Gene they, they came, and we were right in the middle of the season. So McCarthy goes, look, I don't want you spending, like, a lot of time on this whole thing. I go, just give me, just give me, let, let me, you know, talk to these guys and all that. So a week later, a week later, uh, after the game, we were playing the Detroit Lions, and after the game, they flew a jet uh, in the Green Bay and flew me to uh, to Boston. It was on a Sunday. And I got a chance, and I met with Father Leahy. And, again, I knew Father Leahy from the first time that I was, uh, I was there. And Father Leahy used to be the president at Marquette, University, which is Milwaukee, which is where I'm from, and so we hit it off right away, and then we talked about the director of the program and how I saw it, you know, being part of the university and then the whole thing, and Father Leahy was great, but those were the only three people that were involved in the hiring process. That was it. There was no board of trustees or nothing. No. During the interview process, and also, you know, really when you were at BC in general, how much conversation was there about BC's facilities and what kinds of things would have to be done to compete at the ACC level? Well, you know, one of the things, like when I was there, they had just really just finished the um, the building. Mm-hmm. I just got back there, so they already had they already had those. I never I never said anything about the facilities. Now, I'll tell you this about Gene. Whatever I wanted or if I needed something, I mean, I wasn't, like, extravagant, but if I needed something, Gene would always give it to me, always give it to me. And um, the only thing that I felt that Boston College needed was an indoor facility. Mm-hmm. I mean, being up in the Northeast in the weather, that's that's a real problem. You know, and that's one of the things, like, I, I said, Gene, I said, we really, really need one of these things here. No, I know they put the dome on on the stadium like afterwards and that, but like there's times during the season where we had to go down to the New England Patriots and use their facility a couple times when I was when I was there. But I always felt that they needed it. Only, the problem that you have there is you're so landlocked. You know, right. where where do you want to take it off? Because they didn't want to, um, you know, where the baseball field is, or you know, I don't. I don't know where you were going to put it. And that was the, that was the problem. But I never complained about facilities. I'll tell you this: I really didn't care. <laughs> you know, I didn't care about facilities. I mean, they were nice and they were very functional. And um, you know, so our weight room wasn't eighty thousand square feet. I didn't care about any of that stuff. None of that, none of that mattered to me. All I cared about was I had good guys, a good staff. And guys that would fight, and that's all I care about. Yeah, that indoor practice facility has been the uh, the thing to talk about as far as what BC needs forever. I mean, since you were there, and ever since then, I mean, it's kind of in the works. So hopefully, hopefully, it actually does get completed at some point. But uh, so, but anyway, so when you and when you and Steve Logan walked in and you took a look at the roster when you got to BC. Uh, what what sort yeah. of changes did you think need to be made, you know, to get the most out of Matt Ryan and that BC offense? 
the first time I met Matt, we just I just got introduced for the for the job. I met my team and Matt I came up to my office and Matt came up to my office and he came we walked right in the door and and he just started talking and, and we started talking and he left. I got on the phone with Logan. I said, Logan, let me tell you what we got with this kid. I said, he's Matt Hasselbeck, same type of guy. I said, but there's something special about this kid. And one of the things, you know, you talk about, like, it factor, he had that. And you meet people that have that and just go, you know, this kid, is. there's something about this guy that he's going to be really good. And, you know, when you give Logan, you know, a talented guy. Now, here's the thing about Logan, too. Logan, he had different guys. He had Rohan Davey. He had uh, Marcus Crandall. He had, um, uh, oh, my goodness, David Garrard, who was a Pro Bowl quarterback. <laughs> Jeff Blake was a Pro Bowl quarterback. And those guys were all completely different. But we had a plan to surround Matt and give him the autonomy to go and operate the offense. Now, one of the things, like, I'm, I was really big with the, the offensive line. And that's that's really my my background, and I knew the type of offensive lineman that we had at BC, and for them not to be dominating right now is kind of it's kind of strange, because when I left there, we had two number one tackles. It was Gosner and and um, Anthony. We had a third round center and Tennant, and then all the other guys that I left when I left there, they were all all. Five of those guys run on all ACC teams, whether it's first, second, or honorable mention. So that was just that was just kind of like that's the way it is here at BC. It it is old line U. I don't know what they call it anymore, but it used to be. <laughs> we still have the name. It, it hasn't really quite lived up to it the last couple of years, but it's the reputation is still there, and, and you'd think that you know we'd be able to bring it back. Yeah, <laughs> I remember sitting there. Charlie White, he wasn't one of my favorite guys. Just really, really kind of an arrogant, arrogant guy, right? And we were sitting out at half, and I just was uh, before the game. And he was just kind of just being, uh, he was being Charlie, right? And uh, you know, and I got kind of tired of the way he was being. And our offensive line came running out there. I go, hey, Charlie, get a load of these guys. <laughs> and then I walked away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I didn't care. You know, I mean, we were going to beat the hell out of Notre Dame anyway. It didn't matter to me. You know, and just just the way again, just the air, just the arrogance on on him. And you know, the first time that we played them in '07, I mean, we had to we we could have scored again. Like you know, I just I took a knee. <laughs> I thought, you know, I don't want to start anything, but, you know, but it was a blast. Yeah, Yeah, man, Notre Dame, they sucked. They were just, uh, they were like 115th in offense at the time. I said, again, if you're in Notre Dame, I said, how are you at 115th? And the same thing at BC. BC should be in the top 50 at least, at least, you know. For sure. So, but now on on the other side of the ball. Uh, oh, well, yeah. sorry, carry on if you have one table on Matt Ryan or the offense okay. there. 
Well, we just we just knew. I mean, he was a he was a pro style quarterback, which was just perfect for what I wanted to do, because just coming out of uh, Green Bay and the system we ran, we ran the same system that the Green Bay Packers ran. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but Matt was a fourth a fourth round projection. So he went from a fourth round projection to, uh, you know, obviously a, a number one pick. And one of the things that we had too, the first time we ever did a two minute drill, Matt Matt said, he goes, well, what do I call? He said to Wolf, he goes, what do I call? Logan looked at him, he goes, call whatever you want to call, make it work. <laughs> you know, but he came with us, but like he never he never had he never had that structure, and it was kind of kind of different you know, with the way Tom ran it, and then it was, like, kind of really regimented. And Steve, Steve wasn't. He wasn't like that. And Steve could make any quarterback work. Like, what do you got? What, the Tolls kid? Yeah. Yeah. We'd be, we'd be fine with him. Yeah, it's funny you because I don't know one of, one of the questions that we had um, to bring up was in 08, it was a totally different approach. You know, you didn't have Matt Ryan anymore. You know, you had two guys. Yeah, Chris Crane. And Dominic Davis. And you had kind of had to reinvent the offense a little bit that looked different. What, what were some of the adjustments we, that were We did. We, we, got in, we got into, well, Matt wasn't a spread guy, right? I mean, that's just, that, that was just ridiculous. I mean, I, I mean, he wasn't going to do that. In fact, one time, we were, we were playing White Forces in the first, first game that I was ever there. And we were running it. We were just running the ball out. In the four minutes there, and I said, "Man, I said, just just keep this, just keep it, just you know, faith and just keep it. Don't even tell anybody." Well, he comes, he does, he, and he boots out. <laughs> he, just, he gets tackled like a two-yard loss, right? He comes back to me, he goes, "Hey, Jack," he goes, "I'm not Mike Vick." I go, "No shit." <laughs> I go, "No shit, man." I said, "All right." So, but um, but Matt Matt had his qualities, and Chris Crane was more of um, he was more mechanical. You know, he didn't he didn't anticipate like Matt could. And Steve took him and he did some things like we went down to NC State with Chris mm-hmm. Crane and he threw for like four hundred fifty yards one night. I don't know if you remember, I remember that. that. I do remember but, that. I mean, actually, he, he I just, think it was he just lit him up. Yeah. He just lit him up. And um, but and then we ran some spread stuff. I think, you know, to go back on that, probably would have tried to be a little bit more drop back with Chris. Chris was a pretty good athlete, but we were playing, we were playing Florida State, down at Florida State, and we ran the same play. We ran like <laughs> seven minutes off the clock in the fourth quarter. And yeah. just running, we were running one play, and then, you know, Chris would pull it a couple times, and, you know, so that, that worked. But, um, yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he was different. He just wasn't saying, but I, I knew I had a really good defense, so I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't, I really didn't worry about about that as much because I, I knew we had to win defensively that that second year. We did good. We did good enough on offense to. We did good enough, you know, to right. score enough points. But right. our defense was really, 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 really good. It was really Speaking good. Speaking of the defense, you know, obviously. Baz was the was the coordinator at the time, and you know went on to be the head coach. What was your relationship like with Spaz and, and kind of the way you, how you worked together? When I first took the job, I there was only two guys that I really wanted to keep, 
and it was it was Spaz and uh, Billy McGovern. Just those two guys, because they had the defense was like a top ten defense, and I didn't want to change that. And I knew that like offensively, we could shape it any way we wanted to shape it, but defensively, I felt that I was I was one up because the defensive terminology and the two main coaches were there, and I didn't have to change anything. So um, I remember watching the, the the Navy game, and I saw Raji and and um, and Ron Brace, and they're like 370. <laughs> I said that's not going to work. So I told those guys, I said, "Hey, listen, I said you guys got to get down to 330." And and I I told them, I said, "And you will not get a uniform until you are." So if you come back here in the summer and you're like 350, I said, I'm, I'm not going to give you a uniform until you get to where you need to be. And they both were 330, and they were a lot better players down there. But uh, I'm going to say that Spaz, Spaz is a good defensive coordinator. That's what Spaz is. You know, and this isn't taken any way from anybody. He's not a head coach. If he was a head coach, he would have gotten a job before I got it. But he was a really good defensive coordinator, real good technician. You know, we blitzed a little bit more uh, when I was there with him. I didn't want him sitting sitting back as much. But um, some guys are really, really good coordinators and not good head coaches. And that's not a knock. That's just, you know, what you are. You know, I think I'm a better head coach than I was a coordinator. So, you know, it's just it's what do you what do you different. think makes what do you think makes someone? What are the personality traits you need to be a head coach rather than a coordinator? Say that again. What kind of personality traits you know make you a head coach more than a coordinator? I just think that I had a really good feel for putting the right people in the right spots. I surrounded myself with some really, really good people. And I think that my personality showed with my team. I didn't I, I never played tight. Ever. Never. And um, and I always I always told our guys, I say, listen guys, we are always gonna play to win, never play not to lose. You know what I'm saying? And that was the mentality that that's the mentality that I went into it. And here you know what the thing is? I never thought, I never thought we'd lose. And we, I remember sitting at the at the ACC meeting uh, down in North Carolina, wherever they were, and they had the all, it was the head coaches meeting. They had Bowden there, and and uh, um, who the hell was this? Fridgen and and all this guy. And, and I remember sitting around the table. I go, I wonder which son of a bitch we're going to be playing here in a championship game. <laughs> I swear. I swear, I just I wonder which one of you guys were going to be playing. And that's just the mentality that I had, and that's the mentality our guys had. I mean, I, I never I never thought we would lose. And, boy, I hated it when we did. Boy, I hated it when we did. But I never went into a game going, man, we don't have a chance here. Ever. Never. Never. So Yeah, that's but, uh, well, that, that, that's 2007. ACC championship game, and that really that stunt, that did sting. <laughs> I mean, did you do you ever replay that in your mind? Do you do you think things could have gone differently if one or two plays went differently? Um, I mean, we we relive that game all the time. 
Well, I tell you one thing. One thing that I would have done. We we went for it on fourth down twice and didn't get it. That was that was that was. And I what I what I wanted to do is I wanted to take those big guys on defense with two with two tackles better than Brace. And I had a I had a I had a, uh, I had a um, personnel grouping. And I was going to call it buffet. And it was going to be those big guys in the backfield with Andre Callender. And you know what? And I, I talked myself out of it. And I remember in the middle of the game, and I'm going, I even told Logan, I go, Logan, I go, why did I talk myself out of doing that? He, he goes, I don't know. He goes, I got to call play. <laughs> I call play. And there was, there was one, there was one snap that I think was the defining factor in the game was we threw a slant and I can't remember the kid's name. And he was he was in the open field and he had five yards on everybody. And I said and all of a sudden he got engulfed by the secondary of Virginia Tech. But and I just said I go I go shit. I said that's I go there it was right there. That was a, that was a defining play because if if we really had like a real deal guy that caught that slant. I can't remember what the kid's name was. He was a little guy. But he just didn't have that burst of running away from that. Because he had him split. The secondary was split. But he did not, he didn't have, uh, he didn't have that, the Jets to get through it. Was that, that was, that a, was, that was a, Gannell or Robinson or? No, give me another guy. Megua. <laughs> uh, nope. I'm not finding it. He was a little guy, but it wasn't. It wasn't Brandon. It wasn't. No, it wasn't Rich. No, no, it wasn't. See, just look at the 2007 BC uh, football roster is making me happy. <laughs> Looking at some of these names, uh, haven't thought about them in a while. But uh, yeah, no, that's that. That really. But that was it. That was a. Yeah. That was the that the fourth down. And you know, not putting that buffet pass in, and um, you know, in that slant pass. And I, I remember him saying to Logan, "I go, Logan, there it was, right there." Because I know it. You know, we just we just didn't have a we didn't have that guy, you know, to you know to make it to finish it. But it was. There. You said that package was going to be called buffet. What's that? You say that 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 the uh, the, the group with the big guys. You're going to call that buffet. Yeah, buffet. Like all you can eat. That's fantastic. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, buffet. That's man. great. I said, yeah. you know, and I looked at, like, I looked at those guys. I think I was looking at them. I said, I go, those guys are like all you can eat at the buffet. And I said, well, there's our personnel grouping right there. Perfect. Yeah. I'm gonna tell so, you one thing, guys. I had so much fun. It was the best best job I ever had, and you know I I really I enjoyed, I was a great fit for the kids the type of guy they had there I I, I just felt I mean it was a perfect fit for me and I think it was a perfect fit for them they were looking exactly I was I was totally opposite of Tom O'Brien Tom was real methodical and real um, like stern. And I was all like, hey, here's the fun guy. Let's go. 
Do you think that maybe the difference between the two of you made it had an impact on kind of how the kids responded in 07? There's no question. Yeah. Actually, the first the first thing that I said, um, not with Tom. I, I like Tom, but um, I knew how he how he ran the program, and he did a great job because I mean he built that thing up and did a fantastic job. But I I told those guys when I the first thing I said to them I said, boy, I said I know one thing, football's gonna be fun again around here, and they all started cheering, you know. And I said I said and this is. And this is how we're going to do it. And there, there was never, I, there was never a time where those players didn't know where I was coming from. Ever, never. They never go. Well, I wonder what Jags is thinking. They knew. <laughs> they knew. And I mean, we had fun and everything. And but life's too short not to have fun playing college football. I think I did a thing on ESPN as like on a Thursday night deal, and. I said that I don't want football when these guys finish. So was that just the shittiest deal that I that I was ever through? But I I guarantee if you would ask those kids from that 07, 08 team, that's probably the best time they ever had playing football in their life. Yeah, I really believe I, well, I believe they. It was I the best time they, they ever had watching football. I can tell you. <laughs> I can tell you. That. Yes, it was <laughs> for sure. Um, so the elephant in the room, you know, I. Go ahead. The the way the way it all ended, you know. So just yeah. talk me through it. So obviously the job became available. How did you get connected with that? Okay. Again, there's a lot of things that don't know. Let me just point this guy's up. Also, the first year after the first year in '07, I got two calls. I got one call from uh, Washington. They go, we want to fly out and talk to her. I'm not interested. They go, no, this is the University of Washington. I said, I know. I said, I'm not. I'm not. Because we want to fly out to Boston and talk to her. I'm not interested. And it was a blank check, guys. They were redoing the stadium and they were doing the whole thing. And they were, they were just. I think they were 0 and 12. They just lost to Washington State. That was like 1 and 11. But anyway, they said we want to. I said, I'm not interested. Don't even bother. So I mean, that's as far as that phone call went. And that's. That again, that the money was incredible, and then the other one was University of, or was Auburn. They fired Tommy Tuberville, and they called, and um, actually the, the AD called Gene, and he Gene said, "Hey, listen, the the AD at Auburn wants to talk to you." I go, "I'm not interested, Gene." He goes, "Well, because that's what I thought." I said, "Well, I'm." I said I'm not interested in that at all. So guys, there were there were other opportunities, but I told you in the beginning when I started talking to you guys, there was only one college job that I wanted. That was it. I had no desire to. It was, I was telling you the kid, the, the Boston College, the way it was run, the type of kids it, it had, and the type of football that they played fit me perfectly, and I fit them perfectly. And, and so anyway. There were other opportunities out there that I just totally said I'm not interested, in, and they were four times the money. So there wasn't money. Money was never ever a factor for me. Winning was. I want. I wanted to win so bad. That's all I wanted to do. And we were winning big at BC. And and I always just tell these guys, too, I go, look guys, we're gonna win and look good doing it. We did. <laughs> we looked real good doing it, man. 
And uh, so anyway, how the how the New York Jets thing happened? Okay, Mike Tannenbaum, who was the general manager of the Jets at the time, Ron Wolf. I hope you guys know the name. Ron Wolf, Hall of Fame GM. He was a Hall. Of, he was Ron Wolf was the GM of the Green Bay Packers when he rebuilt it. You know that name? Yeah. Okay. Well, Ron, Ron was the, five days, right? Yeah, Ron was Ron was the GM, and Ron hired me to come to the Green Bay Packers after you know from Boston College, and so he's the guy that got me into the league. And Mike Tannenbaum and Ron Wolf. Tannenbaum <coughs> considered Ron Wolf his mentor. And I hadn't been with Ron in like years because Ron was Ron had retired. He was gone. But Ron Wolf was Mike Tannenbaum's mentor. And Ron Ron Wolf told Tannenbaum, he goes, Look, I don't care who you hire, it doesn't matter who you hire. He goes, but I, he goes, you make sure that you interview Spagnola and Jags. Just interview those guys. And that's all. That, that's, that's how that came about. I didn't even know. And Ron, because I didn't know. And then mm-hmm. what ended up happening was a reporter called me. And he said, I heard that, uh, I heard the New York Jets are, are, interested in, in interviewing you. That's why I don't know, you know, anything about that. But as soon as that phone call was made, I called Gene. I didn't want Gene to, I didn't want him hearing that thing secondhand. Mm-hmm. And that's I called Gene and then then he said, Well are you interested in doing that? I said, Well I'd like to go interview for it. He goes, well, I don't you know, he goes, You shouldn't I said, Why not? He goes, Well once when we had a meeting, then we went and had a meeting at his uh, at his office, and um, we were talking, and he goes, what do you want to do? I said, Gene, I said, it's the New York Jets. I go, it's one of 32 teams. I, I said, I just want to go go through the process on the thing. So I didn't think I was going to, I didn't think I'd get that job. I, right. I mean, no, I, I just, I didn't. But I, but it was just the opportunity to go, and he goes, well, if you do, you're, you're uh, fired. I go, are you serious? I said, you know what we just did here? I go, it hasn't been done. I mean, 11 games was the last time, 1942 or what? That, I don't know. When was that? Yeah. I said, I said, all I want to do is just go through the process and, and find the gene. It's one of 32 teams in the, in the whole day. He goes, I don't care. I said, well, he yeah, goes, well, they call me back and and I called him back, and I said, yeah, I want to I go do it. He goes, well, you better get it because you don't have a job here. And I said, again, yeah. I go, are you serious? And so that's kind of how that whole thing went. But now, Did, did was, you feel uh, like there was a chance to salvage it? You know, when you were going through the process, did you think maybe he was bluffing? Did you think that maybe in, in those next few days it could no, be No, because what happened, and I don't know, it was leaked to ESPN. I don't know if you guys remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I mean, well, why, why would I know? You know, so I don't know. So I don't even, it, ended up, it ended up getting out. And, 
you know, I'm going to say this about Gene. Gene and I were good friends. I really respect, I respected Gene. He, he did everything he could, you know, to help the program. And, you know, he was a really a good friend. I mean, we were, and we were really good friends. And it, it ended up, instead of almost, it ended up becoming almost like personal rather than business. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and it, it took, it was really unfortunate because Gene and I, we worked really, really good together. I mean, really good together. We would play, and he was like the general manager. I mean, that's kind of how, like, our relationship was the general manager and, like, the head coach. I mean, we were really close. We would play golf on Friday mornings during the season, early Friday morning. I'd take my kids to school, and we'd meet up, and we'd have a cigar, and we'd talk about the program, every aspect of the program, every week. And... Like I said, I mean, he was he was really he was really good to me. But for whatever reason, guys, that thing got sideways, and it's one of the biggest regrets that I I've got. Because if yeah. I could go back and just say, okay, I won't, I I do it, and I'd still be the head coach at BC right now. I, yeah. I mean, I, I I believe that. And let me tell you something. And the fans would be having a ball. And we got Clemson coming into town this week. Oh, baby. Here we go. Again, I don't think I lose. I just don't. But that's what happened. That's what happened with Gene. And, and uh, I, guess, I think Gene's a really good man. I really do. I think he's a really good athletic director. And um, like I said, we got sideways. And then when I came in after that interview um, the next morning, we looked at each other, and it was like your brand-new Ferrari just got pushed off the cliff. And we're both looking at it going, because it couldn't be repaired, you know. And because I think he knew, he, I think he knew, and I knew, I said, this ain't good for the program, you know. And, well, I was going to uh, say, I mean, I think you kind of answered it, but do you think he regrets it too? Say that again? Do you think do you think he really strongly regrets his choice? I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask him. But it's just, the thing is, nobody won in a setback BC football a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, you know? it's just a decade. <laughs> you know, and we would have. Again, I really. Again, Gene and I were as good of friends as. Again, it became more personal than business, and. It's unfortunate. They said we. There wasn't a thing that Gene didn't give me, you know. And I'm I'm grateful for having the opportunity to be, um, you know, to have been a head coach at Boston College. I mean, it was it was a great honor. It's the best thing that I've ever had in my 30 years of coaching was being able to do that. It just was too short lived, and um, but. And again, if I if I could do it over, that's the only thing that I would change, because that changed a lot of that changed a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. That that decision, a lot, changed coaches' lives, uh, players, and fans, and boosters, and I mean, and it just went and it just started going south, you know. And then they ended up taking Frank, and like I said, 
great D coordinator. He's not a head coach. He's just not. Yeah. You know, and it's hard. Just like you know, like again, I mean, I'm just the way I was, but you know, like just having a, a presence in front of the media. They always had fun. I always had fun with it. And right. that's I mean, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to do. But I always made sure that BC was always out front. You know, as far as the media, because people really never gave us credit. You know, we kind of like snuck up on. You know, when we, that we started out eight and zero that year. No one could believe it. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I definitely remember. You know, I, I remember even even with Tom O'Brien, but it amplified under you. It always felt like BC. Every year, people would predict, "Well, this is the year they're going to go four and eight, but this is the year they're going to go five and seven, and then they would they would come out and have another solid season, and then nobody believed that they could be a top ten team or make the ACC championship game, and, and they did it. And certainly, you know, as fans, we definitely miss those days. Um, now, have you ever had any communication with Gene since then? Uh, a time or two, but it's just it's just uh, you know. Like I said, I, mean, I really respect I really respect Gene. I just but no, not really. We really yeah. haven't, you know. And just the thing is, it ended it ended it ended up bad for everybody. Right. It ended up badly for everybody involved. And you know, it, if the thing is, and here's the people go also say, well, you had a contract. There was nothing in my contract saying that I couldn't do that. Nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there was other opportunities for me to have, uh, you know, gone other places, but I, I, I had no desire to do that. I said Washington and Auburn are pretty good places now, right? You know, and but I thought Boston College was a better college job than that for me personally. Now, right. you know, for people outside, but for for Jags, it was the perfect job for me. And uh, so, but that's what happens. Yeah, that's what happens. And um, yeah, yeah, it's a shame. It, it, it definitely is. And, and, and you—that's you the way. Is that the way? Is that the way you thought it went down? Or no yeah, no. I mean, it, that's pretty much. <laughs> I think it's um, you know, it, there's almost a sense of disbelief. I think that it really could have been as cut and dried as that. That it really could have been one phone call saying, you know, I'm going to do this, and then, well, if you do it, you're fired. I, I, I almost, in my head, assumed that there must have been some steps leading up to that, some sort of tension, no. some sort of threat, you know. No. Yeah. Nope. Not right. So on December – John's was kind of taken aback by it. Yeah. But that's why I said, I said, I said, I said, I said, I said, I said you know what we just did here? I said, no one expected that. I mean, we're like a couple plays away from going to the Orange Bowl back to back. And, but like I said, I mean, I really, I, I respect Gene. I like Gene. Um, you know, he gave me an opportunity. It's just, it's just sad that it is the way it is. Yeah. Because it, it didn't have to be. And if I, if I could go back and take two seconds out of 19. Or 2008, I remember like January 2nd. Yep. Because my my daughter's birthday was on January 4th, and I got let go on my daughter's birthday, and I went, "Oh, this sucks." <laughs> you know, I go, "This this ain't this ain't good." But if I would have just said, "Okay, I won't," 
and you know, I I think what would have happened, we would have kept winning, and I think other offers would have come in. I really do yes. for the pro the pro deal. Right. Yeah. You know? right. But I don't know. But I, I think I could have stayed there a decade. About this time, you guys would have just got tired of Jags' ass and go, hey, you got you got to go. You got to some some young guy. Hey, we're tired of winning. You're only winning like ninety years, eight ninety years. So, so we get you, you guys, you guys right there. We're saying, oh, we need to take you to the next level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know well, you guys. No, I, I know, know. I know true. you guys. Yeah. So, but yeah, well, it just. I've, yeah. Appreciate the candor. You know, it's it, it is. Yeah. I think it it is unfortunate. You know, I think that. And what I'm curious as to your thoughts are. I do think that at the time, even though what happened, you know, obviously set the program back and was very damaging and was going to make it tough for BC to go out into the job market. You know, I do feel like if they had found the right person, it didn't have to all completely fall apart. You know, but I think that. I'm curious as to your thoughts on this, and obviously it's going to be colored by the fact that you believe in your heart that you know it should have been you, and and, and you were the right guy for the job. But um, I was. It, it, was there another guy? You know, was there another guy out there that BC could have kept the winning momentum going? In, yeah, Logan. Well, you left. Yeah, Logan. Well, yeah, one of the best. Do you think he wanted the job? Uh Probably, I would think. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I thought Tim, I thought Jackie Bignell, Jackie would been, Jackie would been great too. I mean, a legacy and, you know, Jackie was a head coach before, successful at Louisiana Tech and, um, you know, BC guy. So, you know, the, uh, the Spaz deal, yeah, I mean, just he, he won a head coach. Yeah. And, you know. Went from tenth in the country or second in the country to can't win a game. I mean, that's you know that's that's not good. That wasn't good for for anybody. But um, but anyway, so I I I know that stuff, guys. I'm telling you, because of I know what it's kind of players and the way you have to handle players at a place like BC or at BC. I'd have that thing back rolling in three years, three years, and they'd be back on the, like, okay, they're back. Because I used to always, I used to always tell, like, the guy that said, you know, guys, I, I brought a schedule into a, um, to a meeting one time with all of our players. I said, do you know how people start looking on, okay, well, we can win this game, and well, I don't know, we can win that game, yeah. and that. I said, guys, let me tell you what's happening around the, the ACC. People are are looking at their schedule right now and going, "Oh shit, we play BC. We oh, we got these guys on a schedule." I'm just telling that, and that's the mentality I always wanted to have. Mm-hmm. I wanted other people to go, "Damn, we got them." I don't know about that. I'm not going to go ahead and put a W on that one. You know what I mean? So right. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, guys, got any other questions? Well, I mean, just you just to kind of wrap things up. Uh, out of the way, didn't you? Huh? <laughs> well, it's something everybody was interested in. I mean, everybody, like Joe said, everybody kind of thought, well, there must be more to it, and you know, it, it'd be it's good to kind of hear it from 
you know, one of the people involved, and it, it was it was obviously the big question on people's minds. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess just as a you know the last kind of wrap up, you know. Any thoughts that you have on BC generally? I mean, not necessarily the program, BAD, but, you know, the school community. A lot of people really, you, you have, there's critics to everybody, but a lot of people really still really greatly appreciate what it meant for what you did for BC in the two years that you were here. I mean, we, we did a, a teaser post for, you know, this interview that's going to be posting on Thursday and, we posted on Facebook just saying, "Hey, we got we got Jags coming on BC Interruption Radio. Keep an eye out for it." And I mean, you you go you go into the comments and it's just bring back Jags, hire him. Is he going to stay after the interview to finish the season? And you know, obviously it's it's you know kind of been a struggle the last couple of years, and it's getting people frustrated. But people. Really, I mean, like you said, you know, it really was fun while you're here. I mean, we were students in, you know, we graduated 2010. We were here for those big years, and that was some of the best days of our lives were the Virginia Tech game, and I was in the band at the Clemson game to make the ACC championship game. And, you know, so, you know, what do you, any final thoughts that you have just on the school and the community like that? Well, again, one of the things that I, I was there, you know, back in 97, 98, and I really, really liked the type of kids that we had. I mean, I loved the kids that we had. We were playing, um, I, I was coaching the offensive line, and I was a coordinator back there in 97, 98, and I remember we had all these offensive linemen, and the year before that we were there, there was just, um, they were bad. I mean, they gave up like 60 sacks or something. And the coach that was there before, and I don't know him or do I care what his name was, but it was kind of like a beat down on these guys. And it was like, they just, they weren't having any fun at all. So we were in a, we were doing a drill, and we always did it in the corner there, the offensive line, uh, in the end zone. And I pulled these guys together, and I said, you guys, there's no less than seven NFL players. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. And, you know, it was it was Woody, it was Brzezinski, it was – I mean, we had seven guys that played played in the league. Danny Collins was in there. Alford um, uh, was in – I mean, we had a bunch of guys, and, and we kind of started that thing up again. But I really enjoyed the type of kids that D.C. has. And I was talking to one of the, uh, the alumni uh, from that played at D.C., and I asked him, I go, you know, what? Go, I asked him, like, what's the deal? He goes, Jags. He goes, you're getting the same players there. They just, you gotta, you gotta know how to manage them. And, you know, and you know, Steve, I'm sure is doing the best he can. But um, it, it just, it was a, it was a great place. Uh, I put Mary Ann's was off limits. That was the first thing I said, and they all, they all laughed at that. That's smart. <laughs> That, that was my first. That was the first time. That was the first time I made it. Like, you know, I said, hey, by the way, I said, uh, all you idiots. I said, Mary Ann's is too off limits. Well, you know, it's still a sprint to get down there. <laughs> I said, heck, I said, why don't you guys take me down there and show me what that thing's all about? So, but uh, it just was a. It was a great place. Father Lay, he was was really really good to me. Um, 
like I said, Gene was really good to me. The, the administration was was awesome. Um, Father Tony, Father Tony, is Father Tony still doing the uh, is still the team priest? He's the chaplain for the hockey team. For the hockey team? Yeah. He couldn't he couldn't watch BC football anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, they needed to turn to a. It can really uh, test your faith. <laughs> Tony would Tony would stand next to me on the sidelines, right? And like he'd be kind of like like right behind me. And I'd look back and go, Tony, get up here. I go, what do you want to do? Because when I asked him, go, do you want to throw a pistol like right in the middle of a game? I try to keep things loose. I go, Tony, what do you think? Do you want to go ahead and he goes, Jack? He goes, you know, I like the tight ends. I go, well, I do too. <laughs> but that's the kind of things that happen on the sideline with him, you know. Just a lot of fun. Just a lot of fun. Just good people. Just like yeah. you guys. You know, you guys are BC guys, and you know, and they always go, "What's a BC guy?" And you know, he's smart. He's tough. He gets the big picture, and you know, he's relentless in his pursuit of whatever he's looking for. And that's that's what you win with. You're recruiting the same guys. <laughs> guys, you're recruiting the same people. It's just you gotta. You gotta, you gotta find a way to get it done. You know, well, that's a, I think that's a, hopefully, I think that's a, that's a great way to wrap it up. Hopefully, uh, hopefully BCB's Clemson on Friday. I'm not counting on it, but <laughs> you never know. And, uh, um, when's the last time they, when's the last time they beat Clemson? Uh, actually it was 2000, I want to say 2000, I think 11, one of the years where they were really terrible and randomly beat Clemson, even though they were like four and eight. Am I remembering that right, Grant? Uh, that I think there, there must have been one in there. It just it feels like there was. But other yeah. than that, not often. You know, all I, remember, all, I remember, yeah. all I remember is 07. Yeah. So, yeah, that was yeah. a good one. I remember that I actually, very, very well. I was there. Yeah, well, yeah, was Grant, it Grant was there. <laughs> I was with the band for that game. It was... <laughs> I got one last story for you, and then I'll let you guys, I'll let you guys go. It's just kind of one of the, one of the favorites I had. So we're going down to we're going down to Tallahassee, and they're having a a blackout, right? With yep. the blackberry and everyone. And I had a, a poster made up, or kind of like a flyer. And I went in. This was the first part of going to the team meeting. I said, "All right, guys. I said, uh, did you realize that they're having a party down in Tallahassee?" Yeah, they're looking at me like they're crazy. I go, "No, no, it's Christmas." I go. They've told people just to wear black, and we weren't even told about this. So, like, we're not we're not even invited on this whole thing. So all the guys going, yeah, well, you know. I said, well, let's. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and wear black black shirts under our unis, and we're going to crash this party. They're not even going to know what's going to hit them. And in the fourth quarter, we're going to go ahead and take our our pads off. I go, all right, we're here, we're at the party, now the thing can begin. And that guy went crazy on that deal. So anyway, we went down there, and we we went down there, and we beat them, and we were beating them pretty bad, and the guys uh, wanted to take their pads off. I wouldn't let them do it. I go, oh, we can't do that. I don't want to keep that. We'll keep that between us. So, oh, man. Uh, so much great. fun with those guys. But we had stuff like that. It was like every every week we had something going. So, but, uh, well, hey guys, listen, I appreciate you, uh, 
uh, getting the opportunity to talk to you guys, and you know, hopefully, hopefully BC can get that thing turned around. And um, and if they can't, call Gold Tag. We'll get that thing turned in three years. <laughs> uh, well, I we can we can only hope. Well, thank you so much. I really okay, appreciate guys. you taking the time. And uh, have show a me a cigar. Oh, I know. You know what? When you're when you're when you're in Boston next, let me know. It's on me. Sanza. I assume that's where you used to go with Gene. Yeah, we had to go walk down the stairs. Yep, you go down the yeah. stairs past the statue. It's like a speakeasy in the twenties, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they, awesome. They've kept that vibe going. You know, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a great place. Oh, that's but, a awesome uh, place. Hey, that's it awesome is. Place. Well, what then, in my, general? Hey, when I sign my next contract with those guys, I'll buy you the cigars. How's that sound? I like it. All right, we'll make that happen. <laughs> All right, boys. All right, take care. All right, bye-bye.